Hey everyone, welcome to the Off the Rail Show on the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, and uh, today we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I hope everyone's uh, weeks are going well this offseason. It's just kind of days are ticking by and ticking by. In fact, I had so much sleep last night, I think I went to bed at like 8 o'clock on, uh, on Monday night and slept till pretty much 8 a.m., and that's amazing. Like 12 hours of sleep is normally like a weekend for me, like an entire like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, so it was ridiculous. It was so early that I had missed the uh, Clarence Lewis uh, commitment uh, becoming public <laughs> and uh, didn't really see it until after about maybe an hour of being up uh, on Tuesday morning. So, you know, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling spicy. I'm feeling uh, like I could do a couple of things. So today on the show, uh, I wanted to talk about two kind of different things. And the first topic is, you know, Notre Dame has a chance this season to be a, uh, to win three, to win the double digits for the third time in a row. Uh, I, I was mush mouth getting that out, but if you didn't hear it correctly, Notre Dame has a chance to win double digit games for three seasons in a row. Now. If they do that, it'll be only the second time in Notre Dame football history that that, go- that that feat has been accomplished. And if you're wondering, the other time, obviously, you probably already know, Lou Holtz. 1991, 92, and 93, Lou Holtz won double-digit games in all those seasons. 91, he won 10 games. 92, he won 10 games. And 93, he won 11 games. He also won the Sugar and the Cotton twice. So he was 3-0 and in his bowl games, and there were big bowl games during that run. Now, Brian Kelly's, uh, he's on a little bit different path here. 2017, got 10 games in, won the Citrus Bowl. Now, the Citrus Bowl isn't exactly a premier bowl game, but I would pit that LSU team that Notre Dame played in 2017 against one of those Texas A&M uh, teams that... Uh, that Lou Holtz beat. So we'll leave that there a little bit. And then obviously last year, losing the Cotton Bowl uh, to the eventual national champions, Clemson and the college football playoff. I'm not sure if that, if that's a, yeah, it's a lot. It was a loss. It was a terrible loss. I don't know why I'm trying to downplay it, but, uh, but it it was the playoff. It's a different era. And I think people forget, um, you know, that, we're at a whole different time frame from when Lou Holtz was coaching. Um, I've, I've said it many times before. I, I really don't like talking about the Lou Holtz era. And it, look, it's nothing against him uh, or the team or anything like that. But it's just like it was so long ago. I mean, 25 years is a long time. And if that's all you can we can talk about, uh, then – Man, I don't know what we're doing here. Um, granted, we've gone through many years of just, uh, we've gone through some crap times at Notre Dame uh, since Holtz's departure. But there's also been some good years. Whether you, you like him, you know, whether you like Brian Kelly or not, he's done some really good things. Hell, even Charlie Weiss's 2005 season was a ridiculously fun season uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl loss was rough. Obviously, the Bush push. 
Uh, and then, you know, losing to Michigan State in overtime felt fluky, felt Sparty-esque. But, you know, Brian Kelly has a chance to get into that same level in, in some respects to Lou Holtz. Now, you know, the, something I had tweeted out probably mid two thousand you know, 2018 season was, you know, if Brian Kelly went, you know, 12-0 in the regular season, it would be the second time he did that. He, you know, he would be one, I can't remember the exact stat it was, but basically I said, you know, Lou Holtz never went 12 went uh, undefeated in the regular season twice. And, of course, I got, and predictably so, I got blowed up uh, by a lot of people on Twitter. You know, no one either can take a joke or, or look at things lightly, I guess. But um, but it was still a fact. You know, it was it's still a, a decently large accomplishment. Um, you know, blow, getting blown out in both those bowl games following, <laughs> not as much. But, uh, but regardless to say that, you know, they were fun seasons. So, you know, can Notre Dame win double digits in 2019. And I, I got to think that, you know, it, it doesn't seem too far off. Now, granted, it could be a nine-win season. So, you know, if Notre Dame, if we're looking at Notre Dame's schedule and if if we're pessimistically looking at it and we automatically assume, like, Georgia's a loss and then we just, then we're going to throw, I mean, do they lose up at the back? They haven't looked one at Michigan in a long time. Now, I'm as big on Michigan being completely overrated uh, as anyone. But I'm not going to dismiss the fact that trips up to uh, Ann Arbor for Notre Dame have not been kind uh, to the Irish. And so if you say that's a loss, okay, that's two losses. So you're sitting at 10 and 2. Maybe there's a trap game. You know, maybe that Virginia bites you in the butt after Georgia. Uh, Maybe it's Virginia Tech after Michigan. Um, you know, maybe you can't win on the road at Stanford. Um, so you could have, you know, nine and three pretty easily. But nine and three puts you in a, a different tier bowl. And I posted uh, all of Notre Dame's bowl options uh, just the other day up on the site. And it's, it's a wide range. And a lot, a lot of them are um, some of those mid-level ones. A lot of them are against SEC schools. Uh, a few Big Ten. Uh, unfortunately, one of those is the, the pinstripe still. But it's feasible that they would win another mid-tier bowl game, finish the season 10-3. and Um, I don't know how much people are going to be too thrilled with that. Let's put it that way. So, but you will see Notre Dame, you know, you you will see Michael Birch tweet out a lot of stuff about three seasons in a row, double-digit wins, if they do it. Um, And probably even right before it would happen as well. But it is kind of a big deal. Now, granted, Rockney and Leahy, they didn't even play 10 games in a season, uh, I think, most of those years. You know, a lot of them, like 9-0, 8-1-1, kind of stuff like that. But, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I just feel that this, this, this little stretch we got going on here, you know, the 10-3, and 12-1, if you go into 2019, let's just say Notre Dame's 11-3, 12-2, or eleven three, <laughs> uh, you know they finish eleven and two, um, maybe ten and three. It's still a big deal. I mean, it, it still keeps Notre Dame up in that like top ten area. Now we all know the the goal and the expectations at Notre Dame are to 
you know, get into the college football playoff, win a national championship. I understand that. That is no one's changing the goals. No one's moving the goalposts here. But if you are a, you know, a more level-headed fan, I think that even though your expectations or your goals are are set up, you know, you're still able to enjoy and understand how good, you know, a double-digit win season is. You know, what that does for the program. <clears throat> you know, it, it does wonders in recruiting and, and image and just to be able to rack up those rankings. You know, it gets you down that path. I mean, look at, you know, you can look at the way Clemson had done, th- you know, did things with Dabo Sweeney moving on up. It, it, it's similar in that, in that manner. Now, yes, Brian Kelly has been there, you know, for a lot since 2010, but it's, you know, we're on like Brian Kelly 3.0 right now. But, you know, you look at Brian Kelly's, you know, records since he's been there. Yes, he had the two eight and five starts. Then he goes into 2012 and he gets a 12 win season. 2013 was a underwhelming year, still winning nine games. Uh, big <laughs> pinstripe. I can't even say without laughing. Big pinstripe bullshit win over Rutgers, uh, <laughs> which makes it Rutgers being the bull opponent makes it even more comical uh, outside of just being in pinstripe bowl. But, you know, another Ocho Cinco year after that. And then 2015 happens, and that's your uh, – honestly, it's probably Brian Kelly's best team at Notre Dame has been that 2015 team. You just had the worst defensive coordinator ever created by your lord and master, Satan, in Brian Van Gorder. I mean, he's just freaking awful. Uh, I don't even explain that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Look at the tape. Look at the Clemson game, the way that happened. Look at Stanford at the very end of the game, game the way that shit happened. Um, you know, and they dove down against the, – the sad part was, even if they would have won at Stanford in, um, in 2015, the performance they put against Boston College and the Shamrock Series and Fenway and the, and the – you know, and all that, the performance they put that actually dropped them down in the rankings. And many thought even a win against Stanford wouldn't have put them in the playoff. So – and it's sad – uh, because you had two regular season losses to, you know, two really good teams on the road. Uh, it, it was it, it was upsetting. But, any, you know, then you follow that up, that season up with a four and eight dunker. Uh, and life got rough. Life got real rough. Um, but since then, this whole Brian Kelly 3.0, mind you, not 2.0, Brian Kelly 3.0, has really turned, you know, the corner. Um, and you may say, well, turn the corner, you know, 31-3 against Clemson. Yeah, okay. Um, I look at it a little bit differently, but I'm not going to try to change anyone's mind about the way I looked at that game. Uh, if you think it's still a bunch of horse crap, then, you know, you can certainly feel that way. I, I have a little bit more optimistic view about it. Um, but, uh, you know... It is what it is, but still, you know, 22 and four over the last two years, I'm not going to, I got no hardcore complaints about that. 22 and four, one-on-one in bowl games. Okay. Move forward in 2019. Can you get that third one? I mean, I think that would be a huge accomplishment for Brian Kelly and for this team uh, to be able to do something like that. And look, the opportunity is going to be there this season for them to, 
to finish with a lot of wins and move up in the rankings. They're, they're probably going to start somewhere around, oh, I, I guess maybe somewhere between 7 and 11 uh, to start the season. Uh, and, you know, we're talking AP coaches pull here, so pulls that don't matter. Um, but they're the only thing we could talk about right now. So, so probably somewhere between 7 and 11 in preseason rankings. Um, and so, you know, you, you get a say you get a big win against Georgia on the road, your rankings, you're, you're, you're moving up in the world. Uh, so by the time Notre Dame goes to Michigan, you know, they could be, you know, the number three, number four ranked team in the country by that point. So there's going to be some opportunities for them to, to push for another college football playoff appearance. But all that is, I mean, there's still so much uh, to be done here uh, before that. But I just wanted to make sure that, that everyone was aware, as, I, as I'm sure you are, of a, the chance of a third year in a row of double-digit wins. At a place with a ton of history like Notre Dame, that has only happened one time before. And I, I think that would be a something special and certainly an accomplishment, I think, that, that they should tout. I mean, some stuff feels a little cheesy, but I, I definitely think that's something they can be proud of uh, moving forward. So now that the, now that we got that, uh, I'm going to bring it back to the recruiting. Like I said, I, I slept through Clarence Lewis's commitment uh, on Monday night, and you know, take a look at kind of where Notre Dame's at with this class. Twelve commitments, I believe, on 24/7 Composite, they're they're ranked number six in, in the team rankings, and uh, you know, I I only pay attention a little bit to the team rankings, especially right now. I mean, Notre Dame could be sitting like third, and then you'll have someone, you'll have like three or four teams just like barrel away with like these with big 25 man classes and be burying Notre Dame, you know, just put, you know, pushing them back in the pack. I think that happened last year. I think Notre Dame got up to like fourth in the recruiting rankings, and like one week later, they had dropped down to like eighth or ninth. And it was based solely off of other teams, you know, picking up more and more commitments as signing day approach. But but at any rate, uh, Notre Dame's looking at a at a smaller class this cycle. Um, they I will almost say overextended, but they definitely maxed out in these last two classes, and especially when there was talk about you know a possible gray shirt for Maris Luafau, um, you know a guy like a four star linebacker like JD Bertrand's going to walk on, uh, lacrosse pro kickers walking on, um, you know, and then but. The Notre Dame roster started figuring itself out like it always. The 85 starts figuring itself out like it normally does. Uh, but regardless, you know, you're still looking at a lot of players on Notre Dame's roster for next for 2020 that, you know, they'll still be there. And a lot of them we still expect to be there. And to tell you the truth, I think right now with Notre Dame's 12 commitments, I think right now they're at like 85, 86 on the scholarship scholarships for 2020. Now, my count includes anybody that's eligible for a fifth year. So, you know, people have talked about, you know, Ian Book, this being Ian Book's last year, he's gone no matter what, you know, maybe Sean Crawford, and I even have Sean Crawford on there who's eligible for a sixth year, and next year would be a sixth year. So, so those numbers aren't exact yet, but they're on there until officially said that they are not. That's just... The way that I that I keep it, it's, it's a clean way to look at it. 
um, without a, there's not a whole lot of guessing um, involved with that chart. It's they're there until they say they're not there. And then that number clears up. So, but anyway, so right now, Notre Dame's, you know, recruiting kind of at a, you know, pretty much at a high level. They had a ridiculous May where they saw, you know, four-star Riley Mills, four-star Tosh Baker, four-star Chris Tyree, you know, all commit. And, you know, both Baker and Tyree, you know, they could possibly be, you know, five stars when it's all said and done. You know, Tyree keeps slipping in those rankings a little bit, but he's slipping postseason. Like, there's nothing going on. He he keeps uh, edging down a little bit. So I think put him on a senior, have a senior season, put the tape on, you know, I think he might wow a few people. And maybe he feels a little bit of disrespect losing it because, you know, he was a five-star. So maybe he feels a little bit of that disrespect and really tries to to, uh, put on a show uh, to get that five star back, and Tosh Baker, I mean, sh- shit, six eight, two seventy five, athletic, and still really learning the game. Um, you know, he, he's a good basketball player. I, you know, he, here's your left tackle coming up. I think at a premium position like that, get, with uh, yeah, excuse me, with another season, with the senior season still ahead of him, I think he's going to be able to to show a few things. I'm not quite sure that that he would move up in that fifth star category, but he, I think he has a chance. Um, but speaking of five stars, you know, one of the quietest commitments is Notre Dame's five-star wide receiver, Jordan Johnson. I I remember when he committed, it felt like a big deal and we said it was a big deal, but it wasn't really made a big deal. Like Notre Dame fans like really didn't react to it in the way they would have, in the way they did like with Chris Tyree. And, you know, then it was some weeks later, all of a sudden Jordan Johnson gets his fifth star on uh, Rivals, which bumps up his, you know, a star, his 24-7 composite to to a five-star. You know, now we're rolling. But it's just funny. Like, it was a huge deal made by everybody that that about Notre Dame getting a five-star player, five-star player. And, you know, here we have one, but you look back and – the excitement level wasn't all there, and it just it just proves the point that these stars make such a huge difference to fans paying you know paying half attention, and you know hey that's cool man. Recruiting probably isn't something you should pay full attention to. I'm gonna I'll be one of the first, <laughs> one of the people to say that like it might be unhealthy uh, to follow it as closely as as we do. Um, I do it for reasons for the site. I probably wouldn't be so close to it um, if I wasn't doing this. But, but hey, you know, whatever you're interested in, it's a huge part of the program. So there's there's no wrong way. I, I mean, I guess there's really no wrong way to follow it unless you're like stalking uh, your stalking recruit stand. You know what I mean? So, but it, it, look, it's a pretty nice class, and it, we the Clarence Lewis commitment was the first time that someone from the same state committed. So, you know, we have 12 players from 11 different, I guess we can say states, uh, which is funny because, you know, Alex Peach, the long, or Pitch, is the long snapper, and he's from Washington, D.C. And then Alexander Ehrensberger, Ehrensberger, uh, is from Germany. So, um, you know, he, there's a state that he lives in in there. I don't think I can pronounce it. It's really long. Uh, but we do have that up on our recruiting map. 
uh, that Brad Wechter put together for us. Uh, you, you can find that on the site. It's got everybody in the Brian Kelly era um, mapped out, you know, where they're from and a whole bunch of other good stuff. So, but the class really seems like it's coming together. You know, two tight ends of the caliber of Kevin Bauman and Michael Meyer, uh, our mayor, and then Drew Pine, you know, the quarterback they wanted to get. Now there was a lot of noise made about uh, the McCarthy kid going, going up to Michigan, the five-star kid, but uh, Notre Dame essentially passed on, I won't say passed, but they didn't offer him. You know, they went after Drew Pine, they got him, that's who they wanted, and they got him. So, you know, you, you just kind of got to roll with that. But, uh, you know, got a lot of defensive players, you know, Aiden, Kiana, Kiana Naya, uh, Jordan Patello, uh, who I apparently had spelled his name wrong on the site. Uh, <laughs> I got some kind of Portuguese lesson uh, for it, but it is all, uh, all taken care of now. His name is spelled correctly. Uh, I don't know how many times I probably wrote or spelled that name wrong, but it is spelled correctly now. Uh, but, you know, like I said before, too, Riley Mills and this Clarence Lewis. Look, I'm going to talk about Clarence Lewis for a second. A lot a lot has been made since his commitment about his 4, 4.5940 time. And I get it. I will say this. I believe that time is laser timed and laser times are the more accurate times. They're not some bullshit handheld time that anyone can kind of cheat a little bit. And it doesn't take much, you know, for a, a four, three and a four, five, nine on a stopwatch is pretty easy to, you know, to do, you know, and look legit. But I believe that was laser time, but he's also, I mean, some people have him listed as six, one, one He's long. He's lanky. He's, you know, physical, and four five nine is really nothing to sneeze at right now. He he could probably get that down to like maybe like a flat four five, you know, by the time his freshman sophomore season comes around. They have, you know, that's what coaches do. That's what Matt Bayless does. Uh, people of that nature, anyways. Um, it can't happen. You know, speed is natural, yes, but it also can be worked on. You can you can get better speed, and you never know what those forty time you know. Even if it was laser, you know, what were the field conditions? It is what it is. You got to watch the film. And a lot of people like what they see and like what they have, you know, here in, with Clarence Lewis. And I'm just going to roll with that. Notre Dame's looking for a lot of defensive backs in this class, you know, maybe like four or five. He's the first one. He's the first one to commit. You know, are we going to get someone like Ransom? Uh, you know, things are looking better for him, but. You know, someone like Clark Phillips, hey, Tom Lloyd just crystal balled him to, to Ohio State just a few hours ago. So yeah, that's not looking so great. But it's a long ways from here to signing day. So I just I just kind of wanted to go over that just a, a wee bit and, and, uh, and, you know, just to say we covered it. But, you know, it, look, it's a good class right now. It, it, it's a solid class and it can still get better. Uh You know, I know everyone's kind of, you know, tossing it up in the air about A.J. Henning, you know, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia. And, you know, it it could still go either way. I I think a lot of people are feeling that he's more Michigan bound. But then, you know, like Jalen McMillan, a kid from Fresno. I mean, people are like fawning over the fact that, you know, know, he may he, he had some 
he had some interesting Twitter posts. Let's put that. He, he it feels like a kid who really feels Notre Dame. Let's just put it that way. So maybe he you know pulls a trigger, which would be a miracle in itself, because uh, you know Fresno. But there's a lot a lot of time left. It's it's probably going to be a class of about 2021 um, players. I I really don't see them getting it diving into the 22 23. Um, just with the numbers coming up, that that gets a little more dicey. So, but we'll have plenty more recruiting coverage, plenty more talk about that to come. Look, we're gonna have a, a OFD podcast this week. I believe we're gonna record maybe Friday night, and so that'll be available for, available to you late, and maybe even uh, you know late Friday, early Saturday. So, just wanted to thank you for joining me, and uh, 